Valerian. Valerian. I like how you've omitted the A there. <laughs> look, don't look. Stop. Don't talk. Because this any banter, any natural banter that you've got is being wasted. That's the start of the podcast. Stop talking. That's that's good stuff for the podcast. <laughs> Be aware that today's podcast will contain... As soon as I started speaking, you made a fucking noise. No, that's not me. That's the that's Coventry Evening Telegraph website. Carry on. Right, but you chose to be on it. <laughs> uh, let me just... No, I'm not going to mess around with anything. Carry on. Could you maybe not have your volume at full? Okay, go. Be aware that today's podcast will contain spoilers about Chris Nolan's Dunkirk. Uh, you're smart. I've had two weeks. To you're cerebral, and at this point, yeah, you've had two weeks to two weeks, two weeks to watch it. So you chose to play this podcast because you wanted to hear our thoughts on it. Um, but if you've not se- seen it, follow these easy steps: one, skip forward to life scores and enjoy the rest of the podcast; two, then go to the cinema and see Dunkirk; and then three, come back and listen to the start of the podcast again. And the optional um, steps four and five are. You can subscribe to the podcast. You should do that because it makes it easier to listen to it. And five, get involved on social media. Um, share your thoughts about what we talk about on facebook.com forward slash guys on film or elsewhere with at GOF podcast. I'm Ian. He's Ollie. Hi. We're both guys. We're chatting about film. It's guys on film podcast. Um, yeah. August. Um, yeah, August Okay, so um, yeah, August sums up the deep dive uh, <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, I'm I'm having my birthday in August Oh yeah So it's a special, it's a special one Do you have it in August often? I was going to say about once a year But then my mind tried to make me think Like if there was some sort of lunar time scale That I could equate that to instead But um <laughs> I'm I'm not familiar with that stuff that people with wolf. <laughs> not can, but I'm also not familiar with the stuff that people with wolf t-shirts look at. Um, okay. So yeah, if anyone's got something that they could send me as a token of their gratitude for listening to my voice in August for my birthday, then yeah. you know where I live. <laughs> yeah, I uh, certainly know where you live. Up, up front, we're going to talk about Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk 2017 movie. Yeah. Uh, and our thoughts on that. Um, I mean, it's fairly straightforward. Dunkirk review, life scores, deep dive on August preview. Yeah. Pff, fucking get over yourselves, guys. Yeah. Isn't it's not complex. It's just you. You've got a complex. Yeah. If if you think it's complex. Yeah. Uh, okay. On on okay. with the show. Show must go on. By virtue of the nature of time. Yeah. Guys on Bill. Yeah, but guys, we're talking about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. You know what guys talk about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. Okay, so um a jingle's played. Uh-huh. So this is the yeah, Dunkirk review, right? Just before yeah. we give our, our official thoughts, if you've been, you know, living in I don't know Milton Keynes. A black hole. 
or if you've been blinkered like a, a horse, then you won't know what Dunkirk is. But we should do yeah. the official synopsis, right? Yep. Do you have it or shall I go? I've got it. Okay. The official synopsis. Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War Two. Fantastic. So people know what's going on. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, that is the story. Um, the tagline is, um, when 400,000 men couldn't get home, home came to them. Yeah. So uh, the one thing I have about that is uh, everything that I've looked up suggests that there were 300,000 men there. Now, I'm not one, right. to, I'm not one to question Chris Nolan. He seems like yeah. he's relatively precise on numbers-based stuff. Uh, but are you, are you starting a conspiracy theory? <laughs> I think he you started a conspiracy... denier? I think the people that write Wikipedia articles are already in a in a full on. I was <laughs> going to say war, but maybe that's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but but they're they're the ones starting the conspiracy theory. It says three hundred thousand. Yeah, nevertheless, flat Earth, flat Earth. Nevertheless, Dunkirk. a lot of lads need to get home, and yeah. um, and that's the sort of key premise. Right. So, what are your thoughts? We both watched it last night. Last night was the first like wide release um, evening. Like prem- <laughs> premiere was like the week yeah. before or something like that. Did you just laugh at wide release? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> you're you're very yeah. familiar with a, a wide release, correct? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I went to see it last night in IMAX. Now IMAX, what digital or seventy mil? It was digital. Okay. Yeah, how was how IMAX was that? Digital. Not not the movie. How was the presentation of the movie? Okay, so I mean, it looked crystal clear. Like it was, it was sharp. You know, the the image was really sharp, but not not like um, not too sharp that you cut yourself. It, no, it it wasn't like uh, like Valerian or any of that nonsense where it's just like you can see all the edges on everything. It still had that nice cinematic blur to it that you know, 24 frames, you know, cinematic gloss. But, it, you know, it was a nice crystal clear image, you know, it was as, as good as you'd want it in the cinema, you know. So it was massive. Some of the, like, aerial scenes, the aerial photography on that huge screen were just breathtaking. Like, you really felt that sense of... Like, not having vert- any breath. Vertigo. Well, vertigo, I'll, I'll come to not having any breath later. But it, it, just the, the actual scale of, of how he shot it, and when you actually think that this is all practical, getting these massive wide shots, huge... You know, wide release. Dis- destroyers and uh, Spitfires and uh, German planes, but they Stukas or something, they, uh-huh. in, in shot. It just looked absolutely amazing. The cinematography was just amazing. But the, the one thing that I would say was a standout from the IMAX was the, was the sound. Uh-huh. From, from the opening scene, uh, a gunshot fires out and it just, it made me jump. It, it was just so loud. Yeah. It was so loud and, and so crystal clear, so punchy, loads of like mid-range hit to it, just really hit you in the chest. Uh-huh. Um, and then that sort of carried on for quite a bit. I did, I did feel that like the actual dynamic range of, of the audio of the film was, was really good because it was quiet enough throughout most of the film that when something loud happened, like when a you know when a plane was flying overhead, or when a um, a round was coming in, or you know when a, a shot needed to ring out of the blue, you know that was it really cut through 
um, it was you know just piercingly loud. But yeah. that, so that leads me to my question, just quickly on that. Then, have you ever seen anything else on IMAX though? Yes, I've seen R- right, Rogue so, One and Jurassic World. Right. So I, my question was, how was the IMAX? And you were talking about how the range was fantastic and stuff. How much of that do you think was oh, the, Dun- the Dunkirk think- soundtrack rather than IMAX? Well, I think that did did Rogue so One did, sound as as uh, rangy as um, no no I don't think it did okay. I really don't think it did so now you're um, reviewing the film not the IMAX Ian <laughs> you're a twat right I no I'm being I th- I'm being specific yeah I know but what I'm saying is is may, maybe just the whoever did the sound design sound editing and sound mixing for Dunkirk just made use of the full um, range of the full range you know there was it, it was just a you know, very wide sound, very dynamic, you know, lots of highs, lots of lows, things that, that came out of you. And I don't think that I've felt that in a cinema before. Okay. I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually felt that in any cinema. Okay. Um, you know, going to a cinema, you know, most weeks now, I haven't experienced audio like that before. That was just something else. That was a, a different experience. So you're, I do you're put something that, else. I do put that down to the IMAX experience quite a lot because it was very wide. You know, the, I, I, I'm not sure if it was the Dolby Atmos where you've got it above you as well, but it was. It was certainly <laughs> for what for people that don't have any idea what that is. What is that? I just said where it's above you as well. Okay, so what is that? Just there's a speaker in the roof of the cinema. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's like speakers going kind of overhead as well. Okay. Which would have been which would have been pretty cool, but I can't verify whether or not uh, they had that. But it, it was just yeah, the the IMAX presentation was was fantastic. Okay. And the great thing about the cinema was that it was really steep, so that there was a guy sat in front of me with a cap on, and it didn't impede my vision whatsoever. He mm. could have had a top hat on, and it still would have been fine. You know, the seats were like quite high above that's, each other. That's so what IMAX is like from my experience. Of, great yeah. line of sight. So. The, the only thing I've ever seen in an IMAX was uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, <laughs> Just Tom Cruise. Space. Jumping on a sofa. Space like NASA documentary thing, which was weird. It was just like, hey, IMAX is a thing, but there are barely any films for it right now. And that's when I was about like 11 or 12 or something. But like yeah. showing you a whale or something. It was a very steep cinema as well. Um, Who my- is an whale? My experience of the 70mm uh, presentation in um, Leicester Square in London was uh, similarly good. I thought everything about it was uh, fantastic. It, it, the audio was really, really good, but the reason I asked you the question was I feel a lot of that is how it's been sound designed on behalf of those yeah. that made the film. Um, yeah. I, I don't dispute that possibly... Like I mean, I I don't know the details, right? But I would imagine that since this wasn't an IMAX screening uh, screening room, I yeah. I imagine probably the sound uh, systems that are actually playing the sound in the movie in your cinema were probably more complex and uh, high end than the ones in the Leicester yeah. Square. Like there's probably more to those, and they're probably doing more things in how yeah, they like get the, the audio. Yeah, the sound theaters. really felt like it was. This sounds weird, but the the audio in part sounded like it was coming from the seat in front of me. Right. So it, it was, you know, you couldn't place the speakers in the room. That's how good it was. Okay, so I, I thought it was great and I didn't think uh, much more of the fact than uh, maybe one comment about the audio was just that uh, the gunshots that you mentioned just like being absolutely the blue in some cases and really piercing and like really, like the sound of gunfire was really scary. Um, yeah, I think as it should be. 
that that actually to some extent kind of uh, I think because of the way the sound has been designed worked even better than Free Fire and Free Fire was specifically setting out to do that whereas that's just yeah. part of the tapestry of what is Dunkirk it's just like it needed to sound horrible and they did it in a really like really really good way uh, yeah. so Leicester Square was great the one thing Maybe this is more life scory than Dunkirky, but the can you not get the two mixed up, please? And you know, shit. Just... Um, the seats, the seats in that cinema are very slim. When, <laughs> when, when I was getting in, I was like, mm, I, "Am I going to have enough leg room?" And actually, what I perceived to be not oh, having sweet. enough in front of me. Well, actually, I ended up having plenty of room for my legs in front. It was more like my my shoulders were very much like I was very aware of the people to the left and right of me. Uh, they're really cramming people into that place. Um, but anyway, right, so Dunkirk. Oh, big shoulders over here. Um, I've got the frame of uh, 23-year-old Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, so top top line, what's your your feedback? Without going like, because we're going to go, like just for the listener's sake, we're going to go yeah. into the details of like the structure, the, yeah, so just, just the audio it, and yeah. stuff, but like your, your overall feeling on it. Well, I, I mean, I left the cinema feeling like not wanting to talk to anyone for a few moments. Mm -hmm. I felt quite, I quite, I felt quite emotionally uh, put through the ringer by it when I was just saying about So it sounds like it wasn't that much different to just one episode of the guys on film podcast then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I felt like the, maybe like the last 20 minutes, I was very conscious that I wasn't, I wasn't breathing quite as much as I should be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, breathe. Note to self, yeah, breathe. Yeah, no, I did. I did just think I was like, shit, I haven't, I haven't breathed. Um, breathe. Like it, it was, it was a real kind of so many, so many situations emerging that were life or death situations. Basically, I mean, the whole film is life or death situations, um, but they get, you know, they just get more intense as the film goes on. Life or death um, situations intensify. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, over, overall, it surpassed my expectations. My expectations were bordering on the ridiculous as well. Christopher Nolan is just, has made something that I want to see, I want to see more of. And I know we're going to talk about the structure a bit more, but I just, the, the, the biggest thing was I came out of the cinema feeling like that was less a narrative film, more of a, uh, like a cinematic experience mm-hmm. um, more of just you know I felt like it was a it was a film that that wanted to just put you in a place rather than rather than kind of because I've, I've, I've read a few reviews and I tried to you know sort of steer away from them I, I, there's a guy I follow on YouTube I hear I heard his one and and there's a there's a there's a few people but basically the, they all come up with the same criticism and that was you don't really get attached to any of the characters. Now, I don't think that's a problem because it's not about that. Like there's there's 400,000 guys on this beach. Mm-hmm. There's there's people hammering towards them in boats. Uh, you know, there's people up in the sky, there's you know, people out in the sea drowning. It's not it's not about you know, I didn't at any point feel like I wanted to know if Harry Styles had a pregnant wife back in, you know, Wigan or whatever I did I didn't want to know that kind of stuff it didn't it didn't bother me because actually if it was bogged down with heavy exposition heavy character building and all that I just I think it would have lost the the, you know the tension of the 
experience experience so i felt it was a it was just an amazing experience i think it's like absolute peak filmmaking i can't pick a fault with it um yeah basically so my just amazing my my uh feeling is very similar like the first thing i said to you afterwards was it's the best film that's been made since I've been able to go to a cinema. Wow. I pretty much stand by that today. The reason I say that is that, like, there are classics that are probably... Like, I wouldn't just say, oh, it's the best film of all time I mean, without, like, just you mean, you having mean, a bit more sorry, of a think mean, about it. Do you mean able to go to the cinema on your own? <laughs> uh, no. Like, since I've been a cinema goer, like, my dad took me to see stuff when I was, like, I don't know, six, seven or whatever, and that I kind of still remember. But I just mean, like... Okay. The, the best thing I've seen in a cinema, and I like I don't even just mean that I've seen in a cinema, I think it's honestly the best thing that's been made since I've been like thinking about films. Okay. Um, I just need to probably consolidate that with like all the classics that I've seen that I have like a place in my heart for as well. But anyway, yeah. it was extremely visceral, uh, emotionally engaging in non-traditional ways. I think that the way that you mentioned that you don't need to know the backstory, the weight of this is just to do with you get that they're a soldier. You don't even need to see the enemy. You know who the enemy are. Um, well, I don't know. Like, the amount of exposition required in some cases for people, you kind of wonder whether that's true or not. But, you know, a war happened, so, like, paint in, yeah. like, all the rest of the things yourself. Just as an aside, I have recently watched a trailer for 9-11, a movie starring Charlie Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, <laughs> right, right in the middle of the trailer... There's a slate that comes up that says, based on true events. <laughs> what, like, what events are those, Ian? Yeah, exactly. So that's my point is that, like, how. I mean, because I, I, mean, I believe in, you know, Flat Earth, I'm a Dunkirk denier, and what's 9 11? Because I don't think it happened. Right, so there's that, but also just. You know, me having to explain that a war happened and that's why the yeah. baddies... Are... Anyway, point being, I think you do empathise with the various characters in it, but 100%, pr- yeah. pr- probably not to the depths that people expect when there's lots of, like, backstory and, like, the weight of what their life means to them and all this sort of stuff. They're just guys and you put yourself into... <laughs> They're just guys. They're talking about war. <laughs> it's the Dunkirk movie. Um <laughs> No, I mean, you put yourself into that situation and you think about the weight of the situation there and just the fact that Uh so many people were in very harrowing circumstances. So that's the thing that's emotionally affecting. Uh, I similarly, when it finished, I was like pretty much beside myself. Like I told you that I cried about 15 times. And by the way, I've been like just a tear at a time sort of thing. But like (laughs) 15 tears. Yeah, exactly. But like... Afterwards, it's like, oh, fucking hell, what do I do now? Like, I'm just sitting about waiting. Like, lots of people were clearing out and stuff, but I was like, yeah, didn't really know what to do with myself afterwards because there was a lot going on. And, um, yeah, didn't want anyone to look at you. Don't even look. Uh, don't look. anyway, so that, that's, that's my thoughts. I think it was very, very good. Yeah, I, by the way, I do, we're not ha- giving it a score. So I do have one gripe, but we will get to that. I know you said you don't have a single gripe with it. I, mine is minor. And like I said, I do think it's like the best film made since I could watch them. But there was there was one I did have one thing that I needed to discuss with um, someone, uh, Mandy, Mandy and Ryan. Like immediately after what they felt about a certain scene or a certain story thread, and that that kind of cleared that doubt in my mind up somewhat. So uh, yeah, okay, so well we we can talk about that because we are spoiling this. But should we do it in a little bit? Well, firstly, 
What did you think of the structure? Because Nolan is known for his time-bending structures and um, various different uh, chronological aspects to his movies. Now, this is supposed to be his most linear and straightforward movie, at least in, in since uh, yeah. uh, Insomnia. Even Insomnia has yeah. got some stuff going on, but it's very linear by comparison to the likes of Inception. Yeah. So, uh, I thought, I thought it was fine. I thought it made... It made perfect sense i can now this is this is where like i kind of want to say that as i was watching it towards the end i kind of thought you know what i'd love to see more films done this way like i would i mean i'm I'm from coventry right and we were coventry was blitzed during the war so we had the blitz and that was like that was another key sort of turning point in world war ii you know we we practically lost our whole uh, you know, city or the a lot of the manufacturing plants, the cathedral, you know, things were bombed to shit. It was apps. You know, you can imagine sort of being in that situation, and nobody's ever made a film about it. Yeah. And it and it did just make me think that Christopher Nolan made something that I don't think structurally I've ever really sort of seen before, and it's quite ballsy to go out and make a war movie with that kind of structure, but it just really works. So um, sorry, what's that got to do with the Coventry aspect? Well, that I would, I would like to see more kind of theatres of war and things that that happened presented in in that kind of in the experience way. Yeah. And I think something like the Blitz, if you read about it, would be you know a perfect way to. Yeah, there would be hun- hundreds of accounts that would all have their own sort of interesting thread to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think I think. Uh, Two two things on that are um, he he's come out and said a couple of different things about the way that he got it funded and that Warner Brothers um, because they trust him based on his his previous work um, he basically said that this is a story that hasn't really been told because it's a story from a British point of view that requires an American budget yeah um, so that's that's one part of it which is that. Like it's not a, it's not a story where people win; they just survive. Um, and I think yeah. similarly, a story about people surviving the Coventry Blitz is not the big hero story that American budgets often go towards. But I get your point on that. And the other the other thing is, yeah, the the three the three points of view narrative. So that's the triptych structure, uh, which has been like simplified down in the press yeah. to be like broadly land, sea, and air. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, you did you did have the you know obviously you've got the you know for the Blitz, for example, you you do have the the German planes coming in across the Channel, getting through our defences, and then heading to Coventry, and then we had obviously a massive old retaliation. Um, but you know, there's that kind of you know things just you know breaking through defenses that kind of thing and then obviously there's the attack itself which would just be massively visceral but yeah all i'm saying is i'd just like to see more stories told in that way especially of you know world war ii um the structure itself is actually brought up in the movie um with on-screen um yeah what would you call them like titles or yeah so title cards yeah so Actually, just a quick point about seventy millimeter. One of the the only moments where it was very obvious that there was uh, sort of flickering or movement in the film itself was, uh, I mean, the film reel itself uh, is right. in the black uh, slates at the very beginning where the text came up to just provide context. 
the text yeah. text did shake around a little bit. Which, when you looked at um, characters' faces, your eye just completely compensates for it, and you make no, you don't think, oh, wow, that's wobbly or anything. It's, wow, wow. Um, so the the title cards were one of the things that you noticed. But anyway, uh, the mole was uh, a timescale of one week, which is the the people s- stranded on the land waiting to get away on boats that were coming in to take them away. Yeah. Then. Uh, the sea, the sea, the sea is one day because that's about the yeah. time scale it's going to take people to get back if they're not bombed or have other um, misfortune. And then the air is about an hour. So the one part of the structure that I thought, um, now this will sound like a gripe. I actually have just like, I've stuck it in a box of, I don't care, it's still wicked anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. But the cuts back to Tom Hardy in the air and by the way, yeah. it is just Tom Hardy in the air, but I don't care. I don't... I, like, normally in films where I'm really conscious of the fact that it's an actor, I, I'm like, oh, God, like that's really ticking me out of the film. After a point, I was just like, I hope Tom Hardy just smashes this plane now because I'm well yeah, rooting for him here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, my point was that for probably the last five six seven times that you return back to him in the air whilst he's trying to chase down this uh plane yeah really not an awful lot else happened i know it was tense and it was it was contributing to the mounting tension everywhere else but there were many of those moments where it was just a check-in <laughs> it's like yeah that, I he, think that he's was... still not there he's and he's still not well, there. i think i think what that was to do was to kind of to me, the aerial battles were almost timestamps to, like, because you would often cut back to the boat and then they would see that kind of check-in mm-hmm. from their point of view. So you would kind of, okay, I get that the three of them are still in the air at this point and then when they cut back to the boat, it's like, oh, I get that Tom Hardy's mate's just, you know, sort of uh, lost his engines and he's heading towards the sea. So you kind of got a... You, you did kind of get a timestamp each time those things happened. Mm. There was always something that happened, and then it would, and then later on in the film, you'd go back to the boat, and then they'd look up into the sky, and then you'd kind of reference that point that would happen. So you kind of had a bit of a clearer indication of of how the times were working together. I thought. Mm-hmm. So roughly the way I I think it plays out, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to correct you. The the you're wrong. <laughs> the uh, dogfighting going on in the air is like approximately an hour or so, right? Yeah. Um, now that is like the end point and the shortest period. The The end point of that is basically matched up to just before the boats uh, pick up the guys with the oil. Yes. And that's pre- like pretty near the end of the... Um, the day-long one, which is like the getting the boats back. And yeah. then the week-long one matches up to that with the uh, boat, which had the boys in it that went out to sea yeah. with the holes in it. Uh, and that's probably the one that goes beyond the end of the dogfight in there the most, I think, because then that yeah. one goes all the way back to when they arrive in England. Yeah, spoiler alert. Fucking hell. Well, some of them get back to England. Yeah. All right? You, but you won't Am know I which right? ones. Ah! <laughs> So anyway, right, we talked about the structure a bit. I think it, yeah, like you said, uh, 
complex as it might be in some ways it all just makes sense it's cool yeah. uh, your your mind just happily happily compensates for it it just reads really easily and well like i, d- I didn't spend yeah. any time during it going like, oh hold on what was that oh when did that happen it just yeah. it made it made good sense um aud- <laughs> audio like the, yeah. the the music side of it um oh my god it's so good so good again just i want can you I want do that again track i want it <laughs> have you what's happened in your trousers <laughs> a three um a six <laughs> um yeah just there was it, it like the music like ramped up straight away there was a there was a point where it was just ramping up for about 10 minutes from the start mm-hmm. and mark rylance and um fion whitehead and uh we're, we're getting on a getting on a boat and the music was still really intense but it was a really quiet moment mm-hmm. but it was still really fucking blaring and still building at that point and like for a moment I was in two minds as to whether that was working or not oh really but then I was like but then but then I was like yeah they're actually it's foreshadowing isn't it it's like setting off on this kind of harrowing journey and yeah, and it was it was kind of keeping that uh, tension going. But yeah, the the ticking clock motif was yeah super. I, I like, felt all the way through. I so, felt like um, because it was used in the trailers, and then it was used for the first fifteen twenty minutes of the film. I was like, I wonder if this is gonna get annoying, and it actually didn't. Yeah. Um, no, this is Hans Zimmer again, right? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer dinner. Um, Zimma, Zimma. Now, what what tone would you use if you wanted to gather a sheep? You'd use the shepherd tone. The tone, which is an auditory illusion, which both helps you gather a sheep and gives you a constant sense of uh, increasing peril. Do you okay. know about this? Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess. So uh, it's something that um, originally, or I think in, in its first instance, Nolan used on the film The Prestige. Um, yeah. But it gives you the illusion that it's constantly ascending, but it's always within the same set of tones or within the same. Oh yeah, tone. yeah. Uh, so it gives the illusion that things are constantly ascending or descending in pitch. Um, okay. But ultimately, seems to get no higher or lower. Ah uh, well, he- here's a quick interesting fact for you. You know the game uh, Burnout. No, I'm I'm a you listener to the guys the on film podcast. I I don't <sighs> care about that game. Well, listen. No, but this is this is a. So they have infinite gears in their game. So if you're smashing it down a really long highway at 200 miles per hour, you keep going through gears and it seems to keep going up and 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 up. And it and then that's basically what it is. So what you're describing is also what they do. So yeah, it's a I, I am I am familiar with the with the techers. Okay. Thanks for okay. that. No, I, well, that's it you know some people what? might find. please please let me know if you found that interesting <laughs> please um please please uh, also please. please send me um birthday wishes and and presents uh, presents <laughs> send me audio presents um <laughs> now one one major change in the music w- uh, came at a point where spoiler uh the the really good thing happened now yeah the there is a spoiler here, but basically at the point where you just think 
it can't get much more tense and these guys can't be in a much shitter scenario. Home comes to them. Uh, so yeah. I think, I, I don't know a lot of the historical detail of it, but basically uh, private owners of ships were told, go uh, either take your ship to France and help us bring back the soldiers or donate your boat and allow the Navy to take those boats across because... Yeah. Um, Churchill was unwilling to send more destroyers than one a day because he knew that there was a bigger war around the corner. So yeah. at the moment where they come across the horizon, the music changes, and I just cried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insta-cry. Yeah, it was just like... The music changed, and I cried. Yeah, it was just like so full-on. And uh, the moment where um, you've got... Uh, who's the naval officer played by... Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh looking out into the distance, and then and a little acknowledging tear forms it. in his eye. That that was that was when I felt quite emotional as well, like a bit of a. By the way, was, uh, by this point, I think it was probably the twelfth time that I'd cried during it. Yeah, but, but when 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 Kenneth Branagh, when you could see a little tear forming on the underneath of his eyelid. I was just like, man, that is great acting. Can you be more precise about where the tear formed, are <laughs> I know, but that, that's what it was. It was just sort of slowly building up, and I was like, that is fucking superb eye acting. <laughs> well, talking of eye acting, um, yeah. you've got Tom Hardy putting in a shift as well. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, putting in an absolute shift. I think, I think, I mean... Can you the, imagine the pilot- what a Christopher Nolan film would be like if uh, Tom Hardy... <laughs> actually had his face fully revealed. He was only he was, he was only an inception for such a short period that imagine him being in a film from beginning film. to end with all of his face in it. I reckon the next film they're gonna just have him It's a it's a remake of Face Off. <laughs> yeah. But still starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your what was your favourite your your favourite bit? What was my this best? This is something bit? I always ask. This is this is what I always ask my kids on the way. What was your favourite bit? What did you find the funniest? Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think it's probably. What was this, just a standout like? So I you know? I thought um, that Tom Hardy at the end of it when he's when he's lost his fuel. Um, yeah. Again, <clears throat> Kenneth Branagh on the on the pier looking up to the sky, impending doom. Like another thing besides the gunfire. The, the howling, screeching sound of the incoming planes was yeah. just fucking like murderous Scary. sounding. Yeah, it was really yeah. full on. Uh, so when they're coming down and um, they've got, you know, like really no option of anywhere to go, there's yeah. this. And they just hit the deck. Yeah, then Tom Hardy. Fucking yeah. mate. So good. Just that was, like, that, that, that was, I think that was my. My bit was basically when, yeah, basically the, the, the German plane was coming in and it was going to hit the, the minesweeper boat with all the casualties and everybody on it. The oil was in the water. It was just building up everything that you needed to know. If he fails, if he fucks up, this isn't just a few people dead. This is everyone fucked. Mm-hmm. And, and like you just thought it was game over. And it was just one of them perfect, like, just fist banging in the air like, fuck yeah, Tom Hardy moments. You just, oh, it was so good. It was just so fucking great. I think it also had added weight to it because he had just, um, to, like the, the long build on what he was really going to achieve with um, his fuel running out and everything, like you're kind of building yeah. up to what actually is he going to be able to do here. And yeah. um, he finally takes down 
a plane and uh, unfortunately that lights oil that was sitting on the top of the water next to a number of different soldiers who'd had to evacuate a boat and yeah. he kind of felt like wow like after all that build like <laughs> wow. he's, he's not he's not um like accidental obviously and it's just one of the things that happens in war but it was it was a uh, not disappointing, but you know, it's a sort of harrowing end to like that that um, storyline. But it was non glossy. But it was it was non glossy. You know, it was but, non. But my point is that then that kind of gives weight to the final moment where he does really like achieve something and help a lot of other soldiers out when he comes in and shoots the other plane down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I felt that was just a non a non Hollywood way to do things. You know, it was there was no just because you've managed to do something heroic doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't you know it is perfect like oh you know he's managed to shoot this plane down but mm-hmm. you know it's still full of fuel there's still stuff going on you haven't been able to save everyone sure you've you've averted the sure. worst thing happening sure you've averted the worst thing from happening yeah but, you know yeah that that was just brilliant so um, so one one uh my one gripe here's my one gripe um, you, we, we, we both had my one gripe my ian's Second gripe. No, my first one was um, something that I didn't care about. I was like, "Well, I don't care about that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, wi- I'm willing to get over that because I I don't care. No, my my actual gripe, and you just mentioned like Hollywood gloss. The the one part is just that like some some of the speech is not particularly clear, but the one very clear statement at the end when Kenneth Branagh could get on a boat. And he says, nah, nah, mate, I'm staying. I'm going to help the French. I just felt was yeah. very Spielbergian cheese, especially because these characters are composites and, and partly made up. Um, I read yeah. I read a little bit about that character that um, Kenneth Branagh was playing, and he was partly um, based on a Canadian naval officer who uh, actually just died at sea on his way back. Okay. Um, right. So this sort of valiant, I'm going to stay and help out the French boys. He, I mean, the thing is, the real life person did stay until the last two ships left i think so that's that's one part right but i did feel that that was just one moment of whoa mate like we do no wrong when we help everyone sort of thing i I, I don't know i mean i didn't mind it the delivery on it just felt a little bit you know Mm. rural britannia and you know that sort of thing but anyway that's kind of it what was your what was your best bit it's a film about yeah, a film about human spirit and, you know, going through the absolute worst and coming out of it and the fact that they're on their way home feeling that they're they're going to get back to Britain and be booed in the streets and, have you know, be spat at was quite powerful, you know. It's quite a powerful thing. They felt like they were failures. They felt like they'd, they'd lost. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that was just quite heavy, really, you know. It was, it, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy heavy thing to you know to sort of think about i suppose mm-hmm. um you know that that ultimately they felt like they'd completely fucked up that they'd you know retreated lost you know what have you um and who knows you know, now when fight. they get back they're gonna have to fight a battle to keep people out of britain well yeah exactly and that's that's the one thing that i felt at the end of it actually was you know they're they're walking off their you know their you know sort of shoulders are heavy and they're walking off into the distance what have you blending back in with the crowd and you just think you know it's not it's not like the end of the film like it's not like a it's not like a happy thing that's happening they're they're going back and they've just managed to reinforce 
Britain's army again mm-hmm. or their military by another 300,000 people which are then going to have to go off and fight in other equally you know harrowing circumstances so it was yeah it was quite heavy I think when you when you, you know when you put it put it all in into perspective two um, two final notes Ollie uh, the- but sorry my, fa- my favourite bit was was I think yeah. just the the last Tom Hardy's last uh, last scene I, I felt that was I mean that that was like pure Christopher Nolan oh for fuck's sake kind of like leaving you on a heart heart ranging sort of ranging cliffhanger red, wretched or whatever cliffhanger sort of thing you know I just it's felt it's a that real was, heart ranger <laughs> I thought I just thought that was like really I I mean we're, we're spoiling it basically he he lands his plane and gets gets captured almost immediately by you know uh, by the by the Axis enemies um, so there they've they've got him he's going to become a prisoner of war and you you know you're never going to find out what's going to happen to his character um, I I didn't and that that to me that to me just felt like you know he he was essentially like you know kind of the hero of the film or one of the biggest heroes of the film and that and that just sort of struck me as a quite a downbeat thing to happen help our heroes I, I, felt, I, I felt it was really you're not going to be sensible about this are you you're not going to let me have something that I enjoyed and actually sort of no you can't <laughs> I mean I, I you're not you just wait you're, you're literally just waiting to jump in and go nah mate see the thing is with that is that or like uh, no, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, some voice. I, I wasn't arsed about what was going to happen next to him I just thought that's that's the end of his story like he was captured because you, you said previously that um, it didn't matter so much what the surrounding story of the characters was. It was what was on screen and what affected you. No, time. I know. But I eventually, but eventually through his actions, I, I wanted to make sure he was okay. Okay. Well, you're, you're I need, very I need empathetic. The, I need the sequel. I need the sequel, you know, well, you're captured. Not, you're where he's busting, out of the, he's busting out of the POW camp. He's punching Nazis in the face. He's, you know, making shivs. You know, he's keeping his head down for a little while, doing the work, but then he's formulating Spiritual a plan. Spiritual successor to Brunson. And I want it to be directed by Michael Bay. But that, that's it. That's my final it, my final thoughts. One man thing. rebuilds just, a spitfire out of flaming ashes. And I think the fact that we've literally spoken about this now for near on 45 minutes... Is a, is a good indicator. Uh, my, my final note was... Um, <laughs> I've got no one more fi- final thoughts. I've got one final thought, Ollie. When the boy in the boat, now there was a boy in the boat that, that went blind because he was hit by Killian Murphy's character. Cillian? Killian? Who cares? Um, yeah. He's certainly Killian, Killian, Killian this boy. Um, yeah. Because he, he's he got shell shock, he hits a boy and he, he um, accidentally his head. makes him bang his head on the way down into the bottom of the boat. Now, that's a shame. That's bad. Um, but Killian Murphy's also shell shocked, and he can't really be blamed for wanting to get away from the war and a variety of yeah. other things. But one bit that was another uh, one of the fifteen tears was yeah. when the boy's friend or brother—I didn't quite work out whether they're friends or brothers—but when his yeah. friend was asked at the end, there were just some looks between him and the older character, Mark Rylance's character, and then. Yeah. Killian Murphy asked probably for like the third time or something will he be, will the boy be okay will the boy be okay and he says and by this time we've learned that the, the kid's been dead for about 20 minutes or so yep and um, the boy just says 
yeah, you'll be fine. And that made me cry because it meant that the war and what was happening to the men in this war was more important than just selfish individual individual. Yeah. Don't make you're gonna make me well up now. Stop it. Let's end this. <laughs> Life scores. <laughs> Cur- yeah. Currently made yours one. <laughs> Life score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine. Thank you. Live score. Out of ten. Live score. Pro- probably like a, a four. Okay. Yeah, that was one of the Mate, best bits. Eh? Oh, we've been speaking for. I mean, is that okay that we've spoken about that film for? It's fine because most of these films that are coming out in August are shite, and I don't know much about them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, can we do a really quick live score then? Uh, yeah, and also, I mean, maybe we call it like <laughs> the. I don't know <laughs> the the. What's what's the opposite of deep? <laughs> shallow there's a shallow dive paddle shallow paddle yeah 1x shallow paddle yeah it's a 1x shallow paddle on August movies this week I think that's good we're changing the format as we go and Ollie's currently trying to compose himself <laughs> <laughs> I've gone from having a number 6 down below to <laughs> having a number 0 in my mind I'm having a 3 out your eyes yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Shall live I, scores. Shall How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, August my birthday. That'll be that'll be great. Been having a lovely Saturday morning because uh, we're recording this a good while out from when people will actually um, listen to it because uh, yeah. you're going away on holiday. But uh, we're doing it early on a Saturday morning, which uh, means that I've had some coffee. I've actually got some coffee. I've had some yo- I've had a yogurt and granola, and I'm gonna have a pecan pastry in about half an hour. Once we finish, mm. so you know this is. I've had a cinnamon swirl. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah. Interesting. We're similar, you and I. You know, Ian, every second counts. We can't digress. I'll be chilling out this weekend, Ollie. I've got no big plans, and that's good because I'm going to have a productive, feel-good one. Um, okay. The worst of the shingles is gone. People will be happy to know. Um, and actually if we'd recorded this closer to our normal sort of schedule I think I wouldn't have even mentioned it but because we're doing this <laughs> soon it's still kind of lingering um, yeah. recently I've watched Cronenberg's uh, The Dead Zone and Rabid which I think is mm. I, I posted a picture of it on our Instagram um, I, th- uh-huh. I think it's a really good combo of films to watch if you watch Rabid first it's yeah. a little bit more of a tough watch because if you're used to Hollywood uh, films, the pacing can be like the pacing of a lot of the sort of nasty films from the seventies and eighties can be quite off-putting. And like, I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, this is boring," but if you persevere with them, they're they're quite entertaining. So I think maybe you'd watch the Dead Zone first and then Rabbit afterwards, because the Dead Zone is okay. a polished kind of mainstream rabbit, piece rabbit, of Rabbit, 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 fil- yeah, filmmaking. That one, the Chas and Dave did the theme tune to. Sure. Uh, the Dead Zone's got Christopher Walken. Oh, that was good, it. Ian. I don't know anything about Chaz and Dave, mate. Our listeners do. Our listener. Dear listener. <laughs> Our listener does. Um, yeah. Dead Zone's good. Christopher Walken's in it, and he has wow. psychic powers. Wow! Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's good in it. He's, good. he's very good in it. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed with streaming services, because a bunch of films that uh, I've bought on Blu-ray because they're not on there have suddenly appeared. <laughs> And I'm like, like the void, yeah. Uh, 
No, The Fall, in fact. Uh, it's a movie that's a kind of non-traditional superhero movie uh, from, I think, about 10, 15 years ago. Maybe just 10 years ago, but it's super vivid imagery. Super yeah. mental vivid imagery. Uh, Is that by the director with one name, like Tamsin or something like that? Tarzan. Let me just check who made that. Uh, man looks Tamsin, Tarzan. It's directed Sky. by Tarzem Singh as yeah. Tarzem. Yeah, okay. Uh, also I, did The Cell with J-Lo. Yeah, both, I actually love both of them, but The Fall's very good. I think it's, like, if you can, maybe something for Rosie rather than Eric, because she's just that bit older, because you do need to be yeah. patient with it. But I think it's really, really good. Um, okay. And it's well worth looking at. But anyway, that's appeared on Amazon Prime Video. Other streaming services are available. Uh, because we've recorded so close to the last time, I've not quite worked out if Shadow's worth your money yet, but I am... Finding yeah. my way through those films quite quickly. Um, that's about it. I'm I'm feeling good. I'm gonna go because of the quality of filmmaking on show last night, and because I got a nice little um, five cell Dunkirk. I saw it in seventy millimeter film uh, mem- memorabilia thing. Okay. Uh, and all the other stuff with seeing it, I'm gonna say I'm a nine, Ollie. Mm. A heady nine. Okay. What are you? Um, it's a it's a difficult one. So I've been <laughs> a one then. Well, well, I've, no, I've been well, I've been hammering uh, Linkin Park over the last few days. Okay, yeah. I, I feel I feel. No, this is about that, two that, two weeks out. This is actually yeah, only it's about two, two weeks out. Two days after the news that Chester Bennington has died, passed away. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Like it's. It's such a like every second code. Well, no, that that band was at a time where I was just primarily listening to like Cannibal Corpse and trying to find the next most brutal thing to listen to. That's that's the kind of stage in my life that I was at. But when Hybrid Theory came out, I I listened to it and I just couldn't help but really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it became my go-to sort of. I guess pop album, you know, because it's very catchy. It's got a lot of good songs on it. And then the second one came out, and I liked that just as much. I saw him live a couple of times, and I really liked Chester as well. I thought he was a great singer. Uh, in interviews, he was very honest, very open. And I think the one thing that you could say about the band, um, and this is to tie up with live scores, so, uh, but the one thing you could you could sort of mock about the band is that they're a bit angsty, you know, for teenagers and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I think listening to the music again sort of recently, I guess has turned it from a, a fun go-to cathartic angsty album to being something that, you know, fair, may, may actually be a little bit too, a, a bit too much of a hard listen, a bit too real. But I think that that's affected me quite a lot this week, a bit more than I would have imagined it it would have done but I've enjoyed going back through the back catalogue and actually having to listen to some of the more recent stuff um one in particular A Thousand Sons which is a concept album about nuclear war which is which is which is interesting you know um so yeah like no 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 banter or jokes about it from me I genuinely feel it's really sad Mm -hmm. um you know I wish you'd had someone to you know talk to help you know it's just an all-round shit one yeah um, agreed i i was similar at the time when i saw them 
uh, which was at a festival. I was going to ask you, did you see them through choice or did you see them at a festival and just chose through to go choice. see them? Through choice, did you, yeah. Did you buy I, a ticket I, for them? I, no? Yes, yeah, yeah, I went to see them at the NEC in Birmingham. Mm. I, I saw them at um, a variant on the Download Festival in Scotland one year, um, Metallica Headline do, One Day. Do, is that Doonload? <laughs> Uh, it was Gig in the Green, and then they rebranded it um, Download uh, one year. Okay. But it was Metallica one night, which is why me and my mates were there, but it was Linkin Park on the first night. And, I mean, I really enjoyed that. It was very good. Um, yeah. And and we went... What, what, we was, went, what sort of era was that? It was 2003. All right, okay. Um, we went in expressly wanting to hate Linkin Park because we were, like, in a camp of... Mate, we just listened to speed metal from like yeah. 80s and nothing else. And like, when everyone else was wearing like baggy camo trousers, we were wearing skinny jeans and stuff. And like, we're so like, uh, con- contrary. And then actually, when yeah. we saw them play, I was like, mate, that was good. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed it. And yeah, anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing. It'd be interesting to have a look at the films that he's been involved in because I know you made a post. Well, it was Crank, Crank One and Two, and Saw Three D is what he's had a had an appearance in. And I, you know, I I thought they were pretty cool little cameos and appearances. Um, but yeah, so that that's been a particular um, sort of Donor. thought in my mind. Uh, so I went to see War for the Planet of the Apes. And I had very kind of low expectations going in. Didn't really like the look of the trailer. The second film I felt was a little bit of a mad jump from the first one. But fucking hell, the, the film is good. It's like a proper war film. Um, it's like a little think, bit like I think a, we've talked about the proper war film already on this podcast. No, I know, but it... it <laughs> I, I, I it, get what you're saying. There's, you know, there's like... There's sort of concentration camp echoes in it and like there's a bit of a kind of men men on a mission or apes on a mission kind of theme to it as well um you know it there's a couple of like if there's a negative to it it's that i think they try and shoehorn some humor into it Mm. which just doesn't work and it always comes off at a moment that something really terrible has happened and then this comedy character falls over or something. It's like, but it only happens twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a really good film. Like, absolutely loved it. Wow. Um, my my usual response would be to say what I think or have heard about it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back until I see it because I do no, plan to see I, it this week. But I actually think that the the trailer really misrepresents what the film is about. There's hardly any action in it. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of shooting or magic kicking off it's all like a kind of it's perfectly paced it's like one of the most perfectly um structured films i've I've seen this year like every sort of 10 or 10 or so minutes you know there's a point of interest there's another point of interest it hooks you in with something else and this the stakes are raised and then it and then it kind of comes back down a bit and you're you're kind of i think responding to what you think my trepidation about it might be but like they're actually the thing that i think that i'm worried about is everyone's giving andy circus such praise about this role and i'm like mate he's acting like a monkey no so 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 anyway i i I had rather rather than respond now Okay, I'm going to go see but it. Just on that, listen, just on that, What's I have that for? same feeling as well. Because, like, you see all these people who do these CG monkeys in films and they're like, 
Yeah, so I had to like, you know, go down to Chester Zoo and live with the monkeys for a month. I've watched every video on YouTube about monkeys. Um, I've started shitting in my own hands. Uh, I've started masturbating in front of crowds of uh, crowds of tourists. Um, you know, I've, I've really started living the life of an ape. Um, so it you, is you've a done bit like you've done three out of four of those things, haven't you, Ollie? Uh, listen I have not seen all the videos on YouTube (laughs) okay uh, what what else is going on um, so that's about it going on holiday next weekend so this is what I want to hear uh, about there's been there's been ups and downs you know but on the whole it's all good. Oh, I, nice. That sounded very morose. I thought you. I thought that was about your holiday. There's been ups no, no, and downs, no, you know. No, but I'm not on the holiday yet, yeah. am I? I'm on the holiday next weekend. Yeah. So yeah, there's been a few ups and downs this week, but I'm feeling good. Got a nice day ahead of me, like you. A nice chilled one. Going to be productive. Going to play a little bit of uh, PlayStation. Dunkirk with scenes. Planet of the Apes with scenes. Enjoying the bit of Linkin Park at the moment. I've had a cinnamon swirl. I've had a coffee. I'm probably an eight. Oh, it's good. It's there. Okay. It's like. Did they swallow an encyclopedia? Like all that data. Wow, this really is a deep dive. I hope that information wasn't false. All right, let's go into our not deep dive. A one x shallow paddle, which we're gonna have. I mean, it's a one x doggy paddle. We've probably got 20 minutes on this, I think, I, I think, to make this. To be honest, I think we should limit the amount of time spent on every film, even if we've got loads of opinions on one or two of them. Have we got a countdown? Um, oh, I did, I did just, Ian, before we get into the, into the deep dive, uh, Life Has Imitated Art this week. Uh-huh. Um, EasyJet has launched... Okay. Just with time is running out, right? You've done a World we're in, War II battle reenactment. We're not on the beach. We're not on the beach. We're in the air. We're running out of fuel. We need to. We need to get this done. Okay. <laughs> EasyJet has launched a probe after an unaccompanied child passenger was reportedly ejected from an overbooked flight. I read this. Casper Reed, fifteen, was travelling from London Gatwick to France. Uh huh. Life imitating art there. So you know everything I said about Home Alone two. I take it back. It has happened. But, I mean, he didn't manage to get into Paris and start having a mad roaming around one, though, did he? So, still sort of bullshit. No, he just let loose in London without parents. <laughs> home, let home, loose in London. Home Alone 6. Let loose in London. <laughs> we, just, we just skipped five. Um, on on um, <laughs> the sort of film... Sub- or is that Bone Alone? Oh. That's the one with the dog. Oh, I thought you meant something totally different. I didn't think that was appropriate. <laughs> I thought I was going back to two weeks ago on the um, movie porno titles. Um, on the subject of um, post-colon taglines for movies. Uh, <laughs> I think this should be a, a weekly segment. Uh, post-colon uh, title of the week. They've, they've announced that there's going to be a Mamma Mia movie and that yeah. it's called Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh god. So good. Is there a is there a classic rock song called Here We Go Again? Here I go again. Oh. No, it's different. No, that's 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 sing that's on, on your own. My own. That's bone alone that's bone alone. Yeah, that's the that's a <laughs> uh, music for Bone Alone. Okay. Anyway, August the fourth, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. News just in, it's a real stinker, according to uh, the reviews Listen. that I've seen. Mark mode. 
the official synopsis. A dark force threatens Alpha, a vast metropolis, and home to species from a thousand planets. It's Special operatives Valerian and Loreline, or Loreline, maybe it's Loreline, I don't know. <laughs> that was a. Uh, maybe she's maybe born with it, joke. maybe it's Loreline. Uh, may- must race to identify the marauding menace and safeguard not just Alpha, but the future of the universe. I'd like the film so to be called like... Marauding Menace instead of Valerian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colon, maybe it's Laureline. Um So this is by Luc Besson. Um, he's done some good films. He's done The Fifth Element and he's done... Lucy apparently uh, is very good. At... Oh no, I have seen Lucy that. Was... I have seen that. I thought it was pretty Lucy's good. Fine. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, he's also done Leon or as people in America like to call it, Leon The Professional. The professional. Yeah. yeah. So it's based on a, a French comic, science fiction comic and it's allegedly influenced you know, practically every sci-fi go in. I wish it would have influenced Luke Besson a little bit more because it, it looks... It looks like a stinker. It looks like a flop. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the biggest flop of the year. A stinking flop. Um, yeah, actually... I think it's going to be a stinking flop. <laughs> I think we need to use stinking flop more often. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, I was I was keen for it on a visual level. but no, Bomb flop stinker but, from last week. But I did actually look at a review. And by the way, it wasn't Mark Mode. But uh, Little White Lies magazine has said that it is oh, a real it's a real misfire. But that is, just, that is just another one that you would read. Yeah, or like Sight and Sound or whatever. <laughs> Twat. Uh, <laughs> you know. The, the Can't you read like Empire? No, I just get annoyed with it. Daily Sport reviews. Well, I tell you what, this film's great. It's got loads of tits in it <laughs> and loads of explosions. No, I've got... I'll give this film five out of fucking five. M- Have a stellar with it. M- <laughs> Mate, I've got you for that. <laughs> okay. I chat, um, chat so... with you enough that I don't need to read that stuff. Uh, you know what? I don't. I I don't think that you could. I mean, even though I've got the unlimited card. You're not gonna. I'm not gonna go see this. Uh, I don't like how you're so judgmental about these things, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go see it. I'm assuming that's about twelve hours long. Oh, it's probably far too long. Far too. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not that arse about it, but I think I'll. Do you want to know how long it is? Yeah, three hours twenty minutes. It is. Uh, have you got a drum roll while I just search? No, that wasn't long enough. Um, I mean, it was a hundred and ninety-seven million euro budget. Okay, but I mean, that's not the—that's not what we want to know. We want to know how long it is. They're going to say one hundred and ninety-seven million minutes long. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to find out how long it is. Um, oh, here it is. Running two hours time. seventeen minutes. No, it's, it's two hours seventeen minutes. When I said um, three hours twenty, it made me think of King Kong, and um, King Kong made me think of. Um, Peter Jackson and that made me think of uh, Dunkirk fact so for the first time since Peter Jackson managed to demand both a salary and a 20% cut of profits from I think King Kong Christopher Nolan has done the same thing where his salary is 20 million dollars and he's getting a 20% cut of all profits 20% Man, he's worth. He's so worth it. Though. He is worth it, but fucking hell, that's a good deal. He's. I mean, he's just. He's. He's peak Nolan at the moment. Anyway, we, we can't mention him again. Moving on. He's, six he's days. Who shall not be mentioned? Six days, mate. This based on the poster looks shit, but I know it's got Jamie, Jamie Bell, Bell in Abby it. Cornish, yeah. and Mark Strong. So uh, official synopsis: 
in well it, this is just off IMDB so it's actually not official um, the official synopsis in April 1980 armed gunmen stormed the Iranian embassy in Prince's Gate London and took all inside hostage over the next six days a tense standoff took place and while a group of highly trained soldiers from the SAS prepared for a raid the world over had never seen the likes of I mean I, I do realise that I completely read that in the wrong way mm. Um, but those were the words. <laughs> those were the words, and they're not even the official synopsis. It's just some copy that someone's kind of dropped, dropped <laughs> is, onto yeah, the page. I think it is. Um, but I, I, I'll go and see this one over Valerian because real life, you know, might be quite tense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it does look like the kind of thing that maybe real. might be like an Andy McNabb Sky One type never, you know, strike back or um, Team Force Delta. Yeah. Or something like that. That, that might it might be that kind of level of, of thing. Yeah, no, that, that's the impression I got it. from it when I said, "Ah, oh, mate, this looks shite." That that's what I was thinking. Andy McNabb. The Emoji Movie, August the fourth. I think we've spoken about this one before. I, th- I think we we accidentally went into August and the uh, July look ahead yeah. uh, with both a ghost story and the Emoji Movie. But those are coming up in August, right? Cumin. Yeah, we'll just move on then. Uh, a ghost story I am looking forward to. It'll be out this month. So 9th of August, Atomic Blonde. Mm-hmm. The official synopsis. An undercover M16 agent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, let me start again. You, you, you play too many video games where you've got like guns <laughs> that you're familiar with the naming of. But the yeah. glaring, well, obvious name of MI6 just went over your head then. An undercover MP3 agent is sent to Berlin during the Cold War to investigate the murder of a fellow agent and recover a missing list of double agents. MP3. Um, so I'm up for it. Uh-huh. Um, but have I seen all of the action in the trailer? I don't know. I, I think it will be worth going to see. One thing that did annoy me is that the marketing for this had uh, a line, like on one of these Facebook ads that you get with like a really short form yeah. trailer, just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I hate, I hate the way it's being advertised. Actually, but one of the lines was McAvoy and Theron slay in da 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 atomic blonde. Yeah, the term slay. Like I've, like I've, uh, like I've told you, the only, the only time you're allowed to use slay in marketing terms is at Christmas if it's a, a Christmas themed horror film. Yeah, spelled differently. Spelled differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm up for this. I'll probably go see it. I do feel like I need to get an unlimited card because there's a lot of stuff to see. Um, um, I've I've got some um, sex and nudity slash violence and gore stuff, and the film hasn't come out yet, so I assume that this is all just pre- from the trailer. Pre-think. Yeah. Um, so the main character, which I assume is Charlize Theron, is shown in a scene with another woman. Breasts are glimpsed. <laughs> The main character is shown getting out of an ice bath and sitting on the edge. When she turns to her side, the breast and nipple and bare buttocks are glimpsed. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. Two exclimpses. Worth, worth two exclimpses. Um, the ticket's already paid for itself. <laughs> for you, mate. <laughs> yeah. When, when, right, when do you knock off from uh, doing number threes in front, in front of crowds of people? Yeah, get down to the cinema and watch this. Get two X glimpses. Okay, so uh, profanity um, is profanity is scattered throughout the movie. I guess this is just assumed. None of it. Oh, none of it seemed gratuitous to me. 
and in line with the type of action movie which this is, though it might offend some. But what he's saying is he's hard and it doesn't offend him. So it's it's scatological um, profanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or scattered or both uh, a thin smattering of scattering. Uh, it looks good. It, it looks very much in line of uh, these films that are coming out, like John Wick. I know it's got something to do with John Wick. Uh, I think one of the co-directors of John Wick has done this one. All this kind of oh, she happens to have a load of guns in a briefcase, loads of stylish stylish headshots. Um, so yeah, I mean it looks fine. It looks, you know, kind of a John Wick style style affair. But I'm up for it. We'll go. Mm-hmm. Okay. John Goodman, etc. What What's next? Annabelle the Creation. No, I know nothing just, about this. No, I don't either, and I don't want to know anything about it. I mean, shall I look it up? What 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 do people? What should people expect? They should expect like every instrument in an orchestra playing at the same time when someone walks behind someone in a mirror. Should we do the official synopsis? Because until I saw the poster, I had no idea what you're talking about. The official synopsis! Several years after the tragic death of their little girl, a doll maker and his wife welcome a nun and several girls from a shuttered orphanage into their home. A shuttered orf- orphanage? It would have been. Uh, it would have read a lot better for them to say uh, a closed orphanage. Soon becoming the target of the doll maker's possessed creation, Annabelle. So this, there's been a bit of an obsession with uh, inanimate dolls coming to life over the past couple of years, and it all sort of goes back yeah. to the film Magic, I think, from yeah. back in the day, and Child's Play. I think Magic predates that. I think that's the first dummy-based movie, dummy-based horror. But what's what's the 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 most iconic dummy-based horror of all time? I don't know. I've not seen any films you've been in. Um, Magic's got a great poster. Um, Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto Chango, and now he is me. Hocus Pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is fun. Now we're dead. A terrifying love story. I mean, I I would Um, check that out if uh, people haven't. It's good. It's got Richard Annabelle just looks like one of these films where... A little girl will be sat in the corner of a dark room, singing a nursery rhyme to herself, and then turn round, and her eyes will be black, and she'll go rah, or something, and her head will shake, and it'll just be like one of those sort of things. Uh, ultimately, I think it looks shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they'd stop making this kind of film now, and I can't be asked. Okay, yeah. Um... I mean, that's quite a strong opinion. I can't really be honest either, but I mean, I I recently watched one of these types of things, and I can't remember even what it was called. Called Dead Silence? No, that was longer before. Anyway, I mean, I thought it was fine, but it was just, I mean, yeah, nah. Yeah. Okay, um, so moving on, I think this one might be straight to video, but it just had a funny bit in the trailer. So it's called Overdrive. It, it looks like The Fast and the Furious, basically, on a £10 budget. So... The official synopsis! Two car thief brothers who journey to the south of France for new opportunities wind up in the crosshairs of the local crime boss. It looks very ropey. But also the trailer says... So it's trying to find... kind You know, like you'd have... From the director of Interstellar. Mm-hmm. This says... From the maker of Taken. 
<laughs> I mean, what does that mean? He was, what does it he mean? was the best boy. He was the dolly grip. Who made it? Uh, that's not a. That's not an official credit. I wonder the maker of. Uh, it's not even the makers of. Yeah. It's the maker of. I wonder who the dolly grip on Annabelle is. Am I right? Yeah, that's well, I don't pr- know. Pre- pretty good joke. Pretty good joke, right? She's she's a dolly. Top draw. Okay, I, so re- I remember the, the dummy film I saw before. It's called The Boy from 2016. And it was actually fine. August 18th. The day after the my tower. the day after my birthday. The Dark Tower. The, gun, the official synopsis. Right, Ollie, so here the, uh, the official synopsis will be important on this one because this is one of those ones that if you're like I find this the type of thing that if you're into Terry Pratchett, the people that know know, and the people that don't just don't have a clue. And this this yeah. resides in the place of uh, Stephen King's lesser, well, not lesser known because they're very successful, but they're very much directed at a fantasy audience. So yeah. if you don't know, you don't know. And people that don't exist. And to me, it's yeah. They yeah. Well, our demographic is a fantasy audience predominantly. <laughs> oh. um, the fantasy, the fantasy and S and M crowd. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, what's your what's your fantasy? But I just think um, it's a little bit of a black box to me what the Dark Tower is all about because it's. Uh, explain it to me, Ollie. Explain it to me. Well, I can't really explain it to you, but I can give you the official synopsis. Okay, help me. The official synopsis. The gunslinger roams an old west-like landscape where the world has moved on in pursuit of the man in black, which I assume is... Um, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. And, I love Matthew... Thing is, I love Matthew McConaughey's little whistle he does. Yeah, I just noticed that you did that. That's a, an, an extra flourish that you've added to his impressions. Um, um, no, I, so I think also he... searching for the fabled dark tower in the hopes that reaching it will preserve his dying world. Right. So, yeah. Okay. I mean okay. that. So I, even from that, I've I've i lost. Yeah, it, I'm but... I'm checked out on that, but I do feel like it's important to see it. <laughs> I have read that this one uh, carries on after the books have ended. Oh, well, so... why not start where the books were? Because if they were successful, then just do the films of those. Because because then you'd get like fan nerds on the internet going, oh, it's not the same as the book. It didn't harm the Hunger Games or a million and one other things. The only one where it's not the same as where it is exactly the same as the book is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and look how well they did. Because <laughs> you like precisely made every line of dialogue. Have you ever seen? Up. Have you ever seen one of those films? I haven't, but I mean, they weren't even really like a financial success, were they? The second Don't one. Know. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. Anyway, next. <laughs> can I, no, can I just, I just want to ask you a question. I've, I've got here, get Ian to guess. Uh-huh. How long do you think the Dark Tower is? Um, who's so the So get an educated guess. Some dude. But no, look, you know that it's a fantasy-esque film. You know that it's part of a And, and a they're, they're on a quest towards a tower that don't nobody... Don't look, can you not... Listen, Ian, if I hear a, a clicking, if I hear a clicking, you're going to get a... Flicking. <laughs> well, it's, it's over two hours. I would put it in the two hour something mark. Is, is no, it no you can't say two hours something. You can't say two hours something. 20? Two hours 20. Is that your final answer? Yeah, if it's more than that, it can go fuck itself. It can go jump. Uh-huh. It's less. Oh, is it? Okay. That's surprising. 
Give, give me one more guess. See if you can zero in on this. Come on, you're Tom Hardy. Five You've got minutes. no fuel left. You need to zero in a little harder. It's less. Zero is five minutes one. and one second. It's actually, and you, this is gonna, this is gonna make you go really. Yeah. Ninety-five minutes. Hmm. I mean, even though you said you're gonna do like that, I actually then did that. <laughs> Why didn't you do it then? No, I went. Hmm. But you didn't say the word. I don't need to do it precisely. The reaction was still. The sentiment of the reaction was still the same. Mm. So what do you make of that? Ninety-five minutes is nothing. That's tight. That's. that's I mean, top, I love. <laughs> I mean, I love that. I love the fact that it's ninety-five minutes. That's that to me. Spe- that speaks to me. Unlike the trailer. Yeah. The trailer just got me confused, and it looks like all right, all right, all right is um all right, all right, all right. Uh, looks like he's uh, like some sort of <laughs> spiritual advisor or like evangelical like preacher in a like all dressed in smart black and like with loads of fake tan. He's the man in black. No, he is not portraying uh, the man in black in this. He is not Johnny Cash, and he's also not from Men in Black. Okay, um, I'm I'm up for it. I think it looks. I think it looks pretty. I might uh, because it's only ninety five minutes. I might see it and then go back and see it again and just imagine that he's portraying Johnny Cash and see how I feel about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Idris Elba, it's McConaughey, it's King. Uh, it's fine. What's your just really quickly off the top of your head? What's your favorite King adap- adaptation? Adaptation. Um... Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, I did say quick. I, I, I quite like the Dead Zone. I've seen it recently. I guess that. Um, I, I'm not okay. mad on um, Misery. It's fine. It's just iconic. I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you what you were not mad on. I asked you what you. I'm f- fucking. Every second I'm getting, counts, and you're messing around. I'm getting gradually more annoyed with you. <laughs> okay. Well, mine's the I'm mist. Moving on. You. The Hitman's. I, no one asked you what you're The Hitman's bodyguard, August the 18th. Who's in this? The world's top. Shut up. The world's top bodyguard gets a new client, a hitman who must testify at the International Court of Justice. They must put their differences aside and work together to make it to the trial on time. I mean, that just sounds shit. That looks shit. Um, have you seen the trailer? So this stars Samuel L. Jackson and Deadpool, uh, Ryan Reynolds. I'm so and it, funny it, and hot right now. It, it does. It just looks like... A hundred emoji, fire emoji, banter, banter train, all aboard the banter train, mismatched buddy duo. Why are they mismatched? Look, just because one of them's probably straight down the middle and one of them is... (laughs) Uh, It's nothing to do with them being different races, is it? No. Um, And it's just going to be full of, if the trailer's anything to go by, people going... Did you really just, or, oh no, you didn't, that kind of thing, like constantly surprising each other with things that they've done. Mm. Um, but just very quickly, uh, again, there's some predicted profanity. It says, now, will definitely contain strong language, including colon. Not colon. <laughs> I mean, if it does include colon, or we'll, we'll do that in a housekeeping. Uh, but it will definitely include fuck, motherfucker, shit, etc. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, people are right. Anything. I mean, great internet. guesses. Great guesses, guys. You know. I mean, they could have. They could have said 
from definitely contain, they could have done another section, which is may contain, should contain, and won't contain. Probably won't won't contain. Yeah. Um, Cock sniffer. <laughs> That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, they just have um, to list almost everything else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, opinions on that one, Ian? Not asked. What's your quick opinion? I mean, not asked. No. That's it. American Made, August the twenty fifth, starring our favorite, one of our favorite. Can, can I? A pilot. Can lands- I just say very quickly that yeah. Detroit is really what's looking to me like the biggie of August, right? So we should try and carve a little bit more time for that. But yes, do carry on with American Made. Okay, America May, uh, Tom Cruise, a pilot lands work for the CIA as a drug runner in the South during the 1980s. So this is a biopic, I guess. Mm. What do you reckon? Have you seen but, seen uh, the trailer? A biopic? Bio, I don't know, is it biopic or biopic or... I mean, It's, it's a biographical of... picture, it's a word that's made from two things. So biopic makes it sound like myopic. You're such a myopic person, Ollie. So he plays Barry Seal, um, a pilot that was gun running slash drug running slash other things, um, Pablo Escobar, all that kind of business. I mean, you know, excited about this one. It's Tom Cruise playing not Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, so here's here's my thoughts. I think the film looks fine. I think Tom Cruise looks much more interesting than normal in this, uh, yeah. which is the thing that's kind of got me interested in it. Like he's he's actually okay. going outside of his comfort zone in a variety of different ways, like a little bit funny. Certainly going outside of your comfort zone. Next. <laughs> okay, uh, very quickly. So we've got uh, an inconvenient sequel. Um, might be worth a, a watch. If did you, you see the uh, first uh, inform- one? Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very tight. Ti- this so, the second one is very timely considering um, Trump pulling out. Of the Paris Trump's Agreement, out. Um, mm. and uh, yeah, it's it's to hopefully get a land swell of support around um, helping the environment, I suppose. And it's uh, Al Gore is driving this whole project, correct? Yes. Um, Again, no. It's his second starring role. <laughs> Al Gore, self, an inconvenient truth, two thousand six. Um, now, of course, he was the vice president to Bill Clinton. And then he ran to be president at uh, some other point against maybe Bush. But anyway, I, I like the fact that he's he's gone on to actually do things. <laughs> do you think Arnie's going to be in this? I'm going to say yes, I think he will be in it. Have you got any uh, evidence on that? I, I mean, No, I, it's just a gut feeling. Yeah, I mean, Arnie's a big uh, ad- advocate, advocate of the environment. <laughs> advocate. <laughs> Advocate. He's a big egg-based drink. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Logan Lucky, August the twenty-fifth. So this is a Steven Soderbergh uh, film. It looks like a Coen Brothers film, if you ask me. Um, right. Okay. Why? Yeah. Because it looks like uh, the men who stir it Just looks quirky. So the two brothers attempt to pull off a heist during a NASCAR race in North Carolina. Uh, no, I. Um, I imagine you're going to splice in me uh, watching the trailer and reacting to it at this point. Um, could I possibly watch the Logan Lucky trailer? Yeah. I gotta let you go. Ian, watch his trailer. Do you reckon the music's going to stop at some point and it'll be a joke? It's that kind of music, isn't it? 
this kind of stuff don't happen to normal folk. It just happened. Music change. I know how they Dramatic money. music change. <laughs> money. <laughs> Somehow they've managed to make Daniel Craig look like six, six foot taller. We are dealing with science here. I don't like Daniel Craig in it. I'm on this my way to church. I don't have trailer. time for this. Step out of the vehicle, man. Here's the whole fucking movie. Oh, I'm giving up on that ten seconds before the end. Do you feel like you've 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 seen enough? I've got the gist of it. Yeah, okay, I've got opinions on that. <laughs> <laughs> Judged heavily. Um, so I watched yeah. the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> so you just heard Ian react yeah, to the trailer. My there. thoughts on it are that um, I think that uh, Kylo Ren and Channing uh, Magic Mike Tatum are playing down their performance yeah. to a level where I find that quite funny. But Daniel Craig is playing up his performance to a point where I find it really annoying. So I'm not really sure how I'm going to feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a tug of war of yeah. I think they're going more now. naturalistic. Naturalistic. Just don't know where and he's stand. going more like stupid, over the top, overacting. Um, and also, they try and seemingly have made him not five foot seven or whatever, and made him like six foot five. Uh, but yeah, it looks like it, I think it looks funny. I think I laugh. I mean, you heard me laugh. Uh, and react. I did. Uh, uh, there is evidence, and the and the listeners have probably. Just I just heard think that the, well, the so. trailer went on too long. Um, I think maybe they're telling us too much of the story, and I couldn't be arsed with finishing the trailer. I just but when I get to that point, I'm like, I've got the gist of that. I'll probably go see it. Okay, so mad quick. Let's move on. Final one now, or one of the final ones. Uh, Detroit. So uh, this is a Catherine Bigelow film. Just quick official synopsis. Um, I'll probably will play the official synopsis at two times speed just to uh-huh. get through it a bit quicker, uh, so that we, oh. and you know just don't want and what I don't want is any wasted time. All the time that you like just that. spent so, explaining that uh, has uh, all the time you bought back has just been ruined. So move on. And all the time that you've just ruined time there. ruiner. <laughs> the official synopsis. Amidst the chaos of the Detroit Rebellion, with the city under curfew. And as the Michigan National Guard patrolled the streets, three young African-American men were murdered at the Algiers Motel. Uh, so this is Catherine Bigelow, uh, stars John Boyega, and also the one with the weird eyebrows. Yes, the one with the weird eyebrows, Will Poulter. He's done well for himself. And also he looks very good in this. He does, yeah. I, I think he's fine. I mean, I'm look, I'm only playing when I say it's the one with weird eyebrows, but everybody knows who you're talking about, but... He's he's definitely getting in some some good. He's stuff. good value. The second trailer looks very tense. Uh, that was one where a big yeah. proportion of uh, the trailer was taken up with a cross examination that a couple of detectives are, are giving the yeah. security guard played by uh, Johnny yeah. Boyega. That looks good. Um, I'm up for it. I don't think there's much more to say about it because it just looks really good. Yeah. So just go and see it. It's probably the one out of this list that I'm most up for. Catherine Bigelow, um, male gigolo. No, that's a callback to last week. Um, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. she's the director of uh, Heart, that's your, Heart Locker. That's your best. That's your best bit of banter this week. <laughs> Catherine Bigelow, male gigolo. Ex, ex- Ian's best banter. <laughs> Of the week, <laughs> Ollie's impression of Murray Walker of the week. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's go, go, go! On Ian's banter! Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously she previously directed The Heart Locker. Um, yeah. She also directed the one after it, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, rated both of them. And yeah. also, uh, if we were to invite her to the Farty Submersible for a slightly deeper dive than this week's uh, Doggy Paddle, uh, yeah. she'd be in the same space as her ex-husband, James oh. Cameron. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Of course I knew that. I mean, I just thought that you'd blanked all James Cameron facts from your mind because you're so sore about Michael Bay. But, <laughs> but uh, sure, okay, I think we've covered August. But two, yeah, uh, just two <laughs> final ones that we don't have to go into. Okay, let's uh, start then. Bushwick, Bushwick okay. 25th of August. Uh, that's the Dave Batista, um, you know, shit kicking off in America, military closing in on, you know, everyone killing. Yeah, that that actually, actually looks good. It might look good. The, the the latest trailer looks a bit kind of weird. What do you reckon about Dave Batista? I I have an opinion. I like him. I think The Rock does all the movies that make loads of money, and I think that from the point of view of wrestlers who are actually doing interesting stuff in Hollywood, The Rock and Dave He's Batista. The one. Dave Batista's done a couple of like real shitters, like uh, the Kickboxer remake and some other stuff. But the interesting ones that he's doing are so much better than what The Rock's doing. Yeah, he was a baddie in James Bond, which I thought was good. He was. Yeah. He's now going to be in Blade Runner. Blade Runner. This one, um, what's it called again? Bushwick. Looks yeah. interesting, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Lots of stuff, and also Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait, so it's- is, is interesting as far as superhero movies go. Okay, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, and I wish you would because we're having a really fucking hard struggle with it, um, please tell us what you'd like us to cover in uh, an upcoming uh, Seggy one. Like, what we'd like to do is probably keep that lighthearted. So, you know, give us topic ideas. Also, if they're in the format of uh, a game show or a quiz, that, that helps as well. So if you could just do the writing for us, that'd be great. But how you ask, can you do that? Well, get in touch through our website, um, guysonfilm.co.uk forward slash contact. Um, give us all the details and you can get an email into our box that way. Or you can comment on our Facebook page or messages there at facebook.com forward slash guysonfilm. And we're on it, uh, Instagram and Twitter at GOF Podcast. <laughs> it's like the okay. it's like the start of um, a song from uh, Ride the Lightning. Call of Cthulhu or something. Yeah, it is Call of Cthulhu. All right, are we we're done? The call center of Cthulhu. <laughs> uh, that's good. Hello, how may I help you? <laughs> speak to one of the elder gods, please. Hold on. <laughs> oh, this phone feels massive. Too big. Right, uh, okay. Hold on, cool. um, eight phones and all the tentacles. <laughs> yeah, field anymore. Right, okay, that's that's great. Uh, bye. <laughs> all right, that, that's been great. Sure, bye. Okay, bye, bye, bye. I've already done the bye. You, no one's heard that. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> the ending that just won't quit. It's like Metallica riffs. Yeah. Okay, bye. Uh,